Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, UFC 252 is officially in the books. The trilogy between Stipe Miacic and Daniel Cormier has officially come to an end, and Stipe Miacic is going home to Cleveland, still the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UFC 252 post-fight show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck, being joined by Jose Youngs. Jose, main event went the full five rounds, which I think surprised a lot of people it definitely surprised mm-hmm. me but the fight was really good it lived up to the expectations and we've talked about some different things leading into the fight we talked a little bit more about it during the post-fight press conference stream but overall your thoughts on the final fight of this trilogy and potentially because he hasn't slammed the door yet the final fight of daniel cormier's illustrious career it was a good fight it was for what happened inside the actual octagon was great it was an awesome fight i don't think i'd put it as the greatest heavyweight fight of all time i uh, i i'm not ready to say it's the greatest heavyweight title fight of all time i'd really have to sit down and think about it i actually think their second fight was a little more it was more exciting and i'm gonna get to that in a second uh just because it was like the back and forth uh like daniel like doing well in the beginning and then stipe making the adjustments then putting him away in the end and then we saw what happened in the first fight with a knockout stipe makes adjustments in the second fight and it was really like can who makes the most adjustments going into the third fight will stipe go to the body will daniel cormier uh go back to his wrestling that he found success with in the second fight before abandoning it uh so there was a lot of questions that i want to answer and, and there were a lot they answered a lot of those questions it just felt like there was something missing and we talked about it on the post fight stream we've talked about it in our slack channels and everything it's this is really the first fight where the lack of fans was so apparent uh, especially in the in the the scorecards when they were being read and they said and still there wasn't really a celebration it was just like stipe raised his hands and there was like his team was clapping and like that was it it just felt like you were watching the ultimate fighter uh, in the old tough house and a winner won and the team is just cheering behind him to even Daniel Cormier was just like shaking his head. As soon as he heard the 49, 46, you knew he lost. Uh, and so the, it kind of took the drama out. Uh, cause after this fight, I'll have to go back and rewatch it because I had no idea who won after this fight was over. But then a lot of people on saying, I were yelling at me on Twitter when I tweeted that, like, how do you see so clearly won this and that? So I'll have to go back and watch it. Maybe it is more apparent than I remember, uh, but I'm being fully transparent. As after that fight ended, I had no idea who won. Uh, I, I wrote down uh, D- DC won the first, Stipe won the second, and after that, it was pretty. Then the eye poke happened, which is very unfortunate. I think it's it's a bummer that the this great trilogy ends on an eye poke. It was obviously accidental. Uh, DC said that this is probably it because he only wants to fight for titles, won't fight anyone else. 
Uh, and he knows he's not going to get a title shot again anytime soon, especially as long as DC uh, Stipe is the champion. Uh, and what's he going to do? Like if Francis wins, are they going to do DC DC or Francis versus DC, and then DC wins the belt, and then he can retire with the champion? That he can't keep giving DC title shots just so he can retire as champion. So I I do think this will be the last time we ever see Daniel Cormier inside the octagon fighting uh he'll obviously do the post-fight interviews and stuff like that whenever this pandemic ends but uh good fight it was missing something and i think what it was really missing was the fans my cousin who never watches mma and who i haven't talked to in probably a year and a half texted me <laughs> after steep a1 he goes he goes that was uneventful just because of like the reaction of what you just talked about so I responded to him and I said, yeah, it was like two groups after Tiger Woods teed off on Friday and the guy made a putt and there's like three people there that are clapping for him because everyone yeah. went to follow Tiger Woods. Like yeah. that's that that's what it was like. It was just really bizarre. Uh, but a great win for Stipe Miocic. He looked great. Lean, mean, best yeah. shape he's ever been in. The hair was on point. He was like Corey Matthews in Boy Meets World when he had the bad perm. Yeah, he had yeah, like yeah. the hat head, like legitimate hat head going yeah, yeah. on. He was looking like a million bucks in there, but Stipe gets the job done. Let me just ask you this, because this has been a trending topic on Twitter all week, and especially since the fight is over. The fight was billed as the greatest heavyweight of all time would be the winner of this fight. And then some people are like, well, maybe UFC. And then there's the overall with Fedor and all these Ooh. other guys in the discussion. Dana White gave his take on that during the press conference. But where does Stipe rank overall in the grand scheme of heavyweights after this win tonight? I would have to say, in terms of legacy and greatness and accolades, like you can't, like he's the best UFC heavyweight ever. No one's had, he's like a two time champ. He's lost the title and won the title. He's had the most title defenses. He's beaten pretty much everyone uh, in like the old guard. Like he's beaten the, he's beaten Ngannou. He's beaten JDS. He's beaten Overeem. He's beaten Verdun. He's beaten Mark Hunt. Uh, he's beaten Roy Nelson. Like he's beaten, he beat Gabriel Gonzaga. Like he's beating everyone. He's been everyone in that old guard. Now he has to fight the new. Yeah, I want to see him fight like the curse plays, Derek Lewis's, uh, these guys that he hasn't had the opportunity to throw down with to prove that he is the best because uh, Derek Lewis has the most knockouts in UFC history for heavyweight. Curse Blades is a super young heavyweight with unbelievable wrestling, super powerful, trains with great strikers, and hits hard. Obviously, Francis Ngannou has gotten better since they fought. Uh, he's in a new camp, and he's, he's a whole, he seems to be like a whole new guy. Even Jairzinho, who fought earlier on the card. Uh, against Junior Dos Santos, knocked him dead. I want to see that fight uh, because France. The only one he's lost to is Francis, but Francis has what we call the touch of death, where he touches you and you just you, you lose consciousness. Uh, so I don't hold that against him. Uh, I so I, I'd say he's the greatest heavyweight in terms of what he's put together in the UFC. There's just and I it's hard. I, I it's hard. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. It's him or Fedor. I think are the two greatest heavyweights. And yes, Fedor because quote tarnished his legacy and this and that i disagree he's just like people got better but like look at when he was in pride who what people are like oh he never won the ufc title this and that when he was in pride that was the best heavyweight division in the world like tim silly was the heavyweight champion of the ufc and in the ufc and fedor's over here like fighting big nog and crow cop and kevin randleman and like the best heavyweights on planet earth so uh it's between stipe and fedor i obviously will lean stipe a little bit i think his competition is over an extended period of time is much more impressive but in terms of in terms of the skill not counting accolades and legacy it's fedor stipe or kane in terms of what they like the those three in their prime 
I don't know. I have no idea. But in terms of greatness and what they've accomplished and what is on paper, Stipe is the best. The more I think about this conversation, the more I think it's an unfair conversation to have. It because is. Because it's just two different eras. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like comparing Jordan and LeBron. Like, you can't compare the two. They played in two different eras. The styles were too complete. It was completely different when Jordan played in the 80s and early 90s, even up till he re- retired for the first time, than playing now. Like, it's just a much different game. Like, the- those old D- Detroit Pistons teams, like, when you drove to the basket, you got, like, punched in the face by Bill mm-hmm. Ambeer can't do that anymore it's just a totally different thing so it's almost unfair to compare the two but if you want to say you know fedor for pride or whatever i'm cool with that you want to say stipe in the ufc i'm cool with that but just two totally different conversations i almost think it's unfair to compare the two but which leads me to my next question because you mentioned francis ngano and it would be a travesty if francis ngano is not the next guy to fight for the heavyweight title however we have talked about this ad nauseum Making sense is not something we can do in MMA. And the other cliche that's out there is strike the world word deserves from your vocabulary because Mm -hmm. John Jones tweeted 32 times during that fight, (laughs) commenting on every aspect of it. He is putting his name in the hat. And now that there's a potential title there for him to go after, it's not just a fight with Francis Ngannou just to have a fight during a pandemic. There's probably some, some smoke to this fire here. So what do you think should happen? And then what will happen? Is there a difference? No. Uh, France Ngano deserves it. He deserves a shot at Stipe. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. And if anyone is going to argue that, you can go fight him because you'll probably die. Uh, but, like, I, I've, I've said this forever. If a champion changes weight classes, they should get the title shot right away. Like, it's just, it's fair for, like, if, if John Jones decides he's going to heavyweight and he gets the first he- shot, he gets an immediate title fight, like, yeah, of course, you're a champion changing weight classes. Like, it's not like he's going down and you have, I want to say, like, oh, prove you can make 185. Like, that's not the case. He's going up. He's not going to have an issue making weight. So if John Jones does go up to heavyweight to fight Stipe, I mean, I would like that. I like that fight. Francis deserves it. I think the UFC would much rather see Francis versus John Jones. I think that seems to be the much the bigger fight. The guy who hits to me, that's like the perfect. Like I, I've always wanted to see John Jones Brock Lesnar. I always wanted. Like everyone said they hated that fight. I wanted that fight so badly because that's like the def. That's like old school UFC where it's like this huge Viking who is just has every physical attribute. Ever. Like you just want to create an action figure that is Brock Lesnar. And then you have John Jones, the most skilled and highest fight IQ you've ever seen out of a fighter not named George St. Pierre with just the best team who is just so meticulous with his game plan. And he's not bigger, stronger, faster than Brock Lesnar, but you probably favor him just based on he's a better martial artist. To me, that is John Jones, Francis and Ghanu as well. I want to see that fight. But if John Jones wants to go for the greatness, he has to fight Stipe. Like beating Francis... It's been done. The only one that the only people that have been Stipe are Stefan Struve, uh, which Stipe said was when he was young. It's the best thing that ever happened. And Daniel Cormier, Stipe avenged both of that lot, avenged it twice. He beats he 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 beat Daniel Cormier twice. And if John Jones goes out there and does it, and then they run it back, because but I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see John Jones beat Stipe, and then all of a sudden we're stuck in another trilogy with Stipe Miocic. So uh, for greatness, he has to fight Stipe. But Francis deserves the first fight against Stipe. And if he wins again, that's one and one. 
And then we get another trilogy for the greatest heavyweight of all time between Stipe and Francis. And then Curtis Blades is hanging out of the back. So if I gave you $20 of supplemental income to put it on Stipe versus Jones or Stipe versus Ngannou, where are you putting the 20 bucks? What Am I putting on what I want to see or what do I think will happen? Yeah, you're, you're betting on what will happen. I think it's the Francis fight. I think okay. Stipe Miocic versus France and Ghana. Like, there's nothing. It would be different if, if it was like bantamweight or flyweight, where there are multiple people that you can make an argument for. Like, tech, like Alderman Sterling deserves a shot at bantamweight, right? But say they made Peter Yan versus Marlon Moraes because technically Marlon Moraes is higher ranked and they were previously booked. Like, I wouldn't argue that. Uh, I would be upset. And like Sterling should wait, but if you took another fight, like he could fight anyone. Uh, there's no one else at heavyweight. There's no one. Like it is France and Ganu, and that's it. He's beaten everyone else. Uh, he ha- like, unless they want to do that rematch with Derek Lewis, but Derek Lewis and Curtis Blaine se- seem to be on a collision course right now. So uh, it's Francis Ganu versus Stipe Miocic's neck, regardless. And I th- and Dana White himself says if John Jones wants to come back to light heavyweight, he's got to fight Dominic Reyes. I think that I want to see that fight too. So it'd be two rematches. That I think the fans want to see. I think it makes sense matchmaking wise, and the, they deserve it. So if, if John Jones goes out there and puts the beating on Dominic Reyes, Stipe goes out there and makes it 2 0 against Francis, then we can talk. I want to see them both take those next two fights first. I can't wait for Between the Links this week. There's gonna, we're going we're gonna to break this all down in so many different sure. ways. But we talked about Daniel Cormier and you know, favorite moments we've had with him and conversations we've had with him. Some have made the light of day. Some have not, as you have shared. But Daniel Cormier, Dana White is not believing it. He doesn't believe that that Cormier is done. He had that smirk on his face that I told you so when there were different conversations about DC saying, well, if I'm not going to fight for titles, then I'm going to retire. But if I do fight for titles, who knows? (laughs) Do you think we saw the last time Daniel Cormier will ever step in the octagon and fight? I think so. I feel like remember what we talked about on the Wayne show, the preview show and everything. It would depend on if he lost or won or anything, how 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 he felt coming out, like physically. Like I we we all heard that story of when he lost and he was sitting in his his room and his daughter walks in and his eye is swollen shut and his daughter's like, "Dad, what happened to your eye?" Like he doesn't want to go through that anymore. So the fact that he lost, but not only lost, he had a like that eye him, his eye getting stabbed, even if he was like young guy, and he was still coming back. Like I don't think he's come back for a while with that eye injury. That's a, that's a Michael Bisping eye injury right there. That's, that's not something that you recover from quickly. And especially he's on the wrong side of forty. He has he has kids. He's married. You, he he wore the mask. You saw he you saw you see how much of a family man he is. He wants to be Coach Cormier, Dad Cormier. I think I, I think this is the last time we saw. Daniel Cormier inside the octagon just because that was such a bad injury and not like an injury on your knee. Like you injure your knee, you injure your hand, you injure your something, like you can recover, you go to physical therapy. You don't want to lose your eye. You don't want to lose eyesight, especially when you have kids, you want to be Coach Cormier. So, yeah, I think this is the last time we see him. He's about to have another kid. Another yeah. daughter's going to be born, like, I think any day now, within the next month or so. Right. And, and plus, we've talked about this as well. Daniel Cormier has a very bright future outside yeah. of actually punching people in the face like his commentary role i bet espn brings him along for, uh, for even more projects and mm-hmm. plus like like we talked about before i could see him co-host co-hosting a morning show nationally syndicated sure. morning show good morning america or something like that you could absolutely see him doing something future, like that so the future nxt commenter daniel cormier yes wwe there's a lot he can do so sure. I, 
I think once the sort of the competitiveness, the adrenaline kind of wears down, he's going to be like, all right, I'm done. I don't need to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, what a career for Daniel Cormier. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about that over the coming weeks. But uh, unbelievable career and a, and a great fight. What a way to end it for DC. It's just I, I'm glad it went the full five. We got to see both guys really show their heart, their grit and determination. But Stipe gets it done. Let's talk about the co-main event because I think this one got – Almost as much attention in terms of competition. It was a very fascinating main event. We had Sean O'Malley taking on Marlon Vera. We all know how that played out. Sean O'Malley was doing his thing. Marlon Vera, very patient. And then O'Malley had the injury. Marlon Vera stayed even more patient. And then once O'Malley hit the ground, Vera jumped on him, landed a couple of vicious elbows, and Herb Dean stopped the fight. So let me ask you this right off the bat, because this was also a very trendy topic on Twitter. Did Herb Dean make the right call? Was the stoppage too soon or was it right on? I think it was a good stoppage in the sense that I don't think Sean was out. I don't I, I don't think that there's been like fighters have taken more damage and been the fight's been stopped or it's it's been stopped too late. Like I think this was a good stoppage in the sense that Sean's leg was mangled. Like he fell down. His hurt his leg was so hurt. So I think Herb Dean saw that. He was giving him the opportunity because he was still he was still moving. He was still trying to fight. The second he fell down and took any sort of damage, I think that's what Herb Dean was looking for. It's like it's like in soccer when the, you, you run out of time, but you're still streaking down the field so the refs don't want to stop the match while you're still pushing. The, they don't want you to – you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, I don't know if you watch soccer, but if, if, you're, if, you, if there's still time and you're still running down the field, they don't just stop it in the middle of your attack. They get – they let – they wait for that lull in the action before they call it. So I think that's what Herb Dean was looking for. The first moment Sean O'Malley got hurt, I think, or or took any sort of significant damage, Herb was going to jump in and stop. So uh, it definitely looked early if you didn't see what happened with his, with his, with his injured leg and foot. Because he got, uh, again, he got carried out on a stretcher. It's not like he walked out under his own uh, under his own power. So, yeah, I think I think it was a, a perfectly fine stoppage, given the sense that Sean couldn't even walk in there. It's too bad because, like you you had mentioned earlier, it may, have been, it may have been on the live stream that 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 didn't make air, that has been killed by now because of the technical difficulties. But this is one of those fights where like nobody wins. Like right. it's just bad for everybody. Like Marlon Vera gets a it's a huge win, probably the biggest win of his career mm -hmm. in terms of where he can go with it. And people are gonna look at this fight and be like, well, if Sean O'Malley didn't injure his foot, then Marlon wouldn't have won the fight. I think that's kind of unfair because I understand, yes, it was a significant, it played a significant role in how the fight played out, but it's not Marlon's fault that Sean got hurt. And mm -hmm. we don't even know if Marlon caused the injury. Like maybe as Joe Rogan was saying, even though Joe Rogan didn't say a lot of intelligent things tonight, maybe Marlon landed a leg kick that kind of got the nerves you, cooking a little uh, bit. If you watch, go back and watch it. Cause I watched a lot. I, I went back and watched a little bit of it, but uh, while we were trying to put this, uh, reaction show together and it, it seems like his if you go back and watch it's that moment they're talking about how both of their leg lengths are longer than stipe like do you remember that weird yes. moment they were they were like hung up on that and i was like move on let's like i don't care about any of this if you watch that without the commentary you can see like sugar sean kind of did something and his leg kind of buckled and then even marlon vera like pointed he like he's like pointed at him and like said something and no one picked it up on the commentary. So if you go back and watch, it's clearly hurt. But then Sean 
fought for a while. Like, that was pretty early on in the fight, and he stayed in there. And then he just fell down, and Cheeto jumped on top of him and beat him up So until Herb Dean stopped the fight. So, uh, yeah, Cheeto might have done something, but it happened a lot earlier in the fight than people are than people are saying. So I, this this narrative of Sean, Sean O'Malley was winning the whole fight until he fell down I think is a little unfair because I think the injury happened a lot sooner than people realize. Yeah, and that's because we all saw when his foot, like, almost bent in half like yeah. the wrong way it was, got, like it, it was almost like a extreme toe stub but it yeah. like bent his whole foot i don't know if it happened before that and then like the wear and tear on damage done like led to that moment i don't yeah. know that's the thing like we don't know that like maybe marlon like landed a low leg kick that made his nerves go numb or something like we don't know I, I, don't I know. also don't know what the injury was right like, it could be nerves it could be ligament it could be a broken foot like until we get like exactly what happened, it's hard to comment on it. Like it, it reminds me of the Michael Chandler injury with Brent Primus. Like when that happened, I was like broken leg, but then like oh, it looked like an ankle, just a rolled ankle, and he couldn't put pressure. Like you can't fight on one foot unless you're like Sean O'Malley tried, and if Andre Sukumtov decided to keep the fight standing, he probably would have beat Sean O'Malley in there. Instead, he took him down, and Sean O'Malley's like, "This is great. I don't have to put pressure <laughs> on my legs. I'll fight down here all day." Uh, and I love Andre, so. Uh, I didn't want to rag on him too much, but you know that was going to get brought up in the comments. Might as well bring it up now. But it's unfortunate for Sugar Sean, um, young kid. You clearly like all the hype in the world. Like they they compared him to Luka Doncic, Russell Westbrook, and Lamar Jackson. Now, for those of you who are watching who don't know who those athletes are, because maybe you don't watch American sports, Luka Doncic is like 21. Rookie NBA Rookie of the Year is going to be MVP someday of the NBA. Russell Westbrook is an MVP. Lamar Jackson is an NFL MVP and one of the best quarterbacks in, in like the future of the NFL. They're comparing Sean O'Malley to those guys. So, you know, and that's ESPN. That's not the UFC. That's Stephen A. Smith saying all that. So, like, take what you want from Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> I personally don't care what he has to say. But when he says it, you know at least the world is aware of who Sean O'Malley is. So, it's unfortunate that this happened, but... I really, really hope it's not a significant injury that we're. I, I don't want Sean. I don't want twelve more months of Sugar Sean not fighting. I want to see him back in there because I think the world and the sport needs uh, superstars like him in there. Completely agree. And I felt about this fight that no matter what happened, win, lose, freak injury, Sean O'Malley was in a fight that he's never had before. Like Marlon Vera yeah. was gonna get the dog out of him at some point, and he was gonna grow from this fight no matter what. And unfortunately, he's going to have to grow probably in a much different way. But now he gets to come back from a loss for the first time in his career. And I expect him to come back in a big way. But Marlon Vera gets a huge win. I don't want to take anything away from him. But he, him and Marab Wallace, really, that has to be the fight now, right? Yeah, and I'll, I'll comment on that in a second. But, like, just look at Stipe at the, his post-fight press conference. He said losing to Stefan Struz is the best thing that happened to him. Uh, John Jones himself says, you know what? Having that O taken away took a lot of pressure. It's one of the best things that ever happened to me. The only, like, even Michael Venom Page, I interviewed him after his Douglas Lima loss, like, or wh whichever Lima brother it was. I always get those two confused. Um, he's like, it sucks, but now I can prove what I, what I, now I can show what I can, I can overcome. Like, it's another narrative for him to write. So, uh, it, it's an unfortunate that happened with an injury, uh, because I don't think anyone wants to see a young kid get injured like that. But now we can see how mentally strong Sugar Sean O'Malley is. But yes, Cheeto Vera. Dwab Develi, whatever pronounce I can never pronounce his last name. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get it right. I can spell it perfectly, but I'll never be able to sell it. Spell uh say it. Uh yeah, I love it. Marab versus Cheeto, unless they want to run the song the dong fight back again. Uh I, I I'm all about it.
Jarzinho Rosenstrike gets a big win over Junior Dos Santos. They slim, trim, chiseled up, mm-hmm. mustache wearing Junior Dos Santos, who looked pretty good in that fight. His boxing was crisp. He's landing great to the body. I thought he didn't go to the body enough because he was mm-hmm. scoring pretty well at that. But Jarzino had a good counter striking game. And then all it takes is one. And he landed it. And then he landed a bunch more. And the fight was stopped. Huge win for Jarzino coming back from that quick knockout loss to Francis Ngannou. What did you think of a Biggie Boy's performance tonight and, and bouncing back the way he did? I'm not going to lie. I picked Junior Dos Santos to win this fight. Uh, only because uh, Jairzinho has looked great against competition like outside of the top 15 or against like Andre Arlovsky, who Arlovsky himself has said, I did not take that fight seriously. I didn't know how good he was or what he could be. And then you watch the Overeem fight. Like Overeem was about four seconds away from winning that fight before he just got his face ripped open. Uh, and then we saw Jairzinho lose in about, what, 30 seconds to Francis Ngannou. So I, we all know Jairzinho is a top 10 heavyweight. In the world, but in terms in terms of elite competition, the only two he's lost to, the only two he's faced are Overeem, who he was should have lost to, or not should have, he was almost lost to, and then gets knocked down thirty seconds. I just thought Junior was a better fighter, an MMA fighter. Kickboxing, I think Junior walks all over him, but it's an MMA fight. I just think uh, I just thought Junior would be better, but as someone pointed out in the post fight press conference, Dana White, Dana White has said like you you might have to have that chocolate L conversation with Junior. Like, do you really want to? You want to keep doing this? That's a lot of knockouts because, like you said, he looked really good before he got knocked out, but he looked real good against Stipe. He looked good against Francis. He looks pretty good against Curtis Blades, and then he just gets touched, and he gets knocked out. He he looks good against Taito Ivasa and Blagoj Ivanov and, like, these guys, but they're not, like, heavy-fisted knockout artists like, like he's getting KO'd by, so... I don't know where he goes from here. I really don't because he can headline any card. Like this, is what his first not three round fight in five years. He can still headline cards. He's still a big deal in Brazil. He's still a former champion. You just don't want to see young fighters make a name off of his chin. Like I feel gross about that. So it's an unfortunate situation. I don't know where he goes. Uh, but Jairzinho looked pretty freaking unbelievable and he sold me on eventually eventually rematching francis not right away of course but eventually i want to see that fight happen again yeah i'm with you on that one but a big win for biggie boy bouncing back uh daniel pineda what a return to the ufc for him getting a huge win over herbert burns just nasty i mean that was brutal great first round second round herbert burns lands a right hand and then shoots right in for a takedown and he takes his back. We're like, "Uh Oh, this is kind of what we expected to happen here. But Daniel Pineda fights out of it, then gets a crucifix and landed those ferocious elbows over and over again, six years removed from his last UFC fight to come in and do that. Got a $50,000 bonus to boot. what did you think of, uh, of Daniel Pineda's, what did you think of Pitt Pineda's performance tonight? Not just the $50,000 bonus also gets 20% of Herbert Burns purse because Herbert Burns missed weight. So that's a good day in the office for, if yeah. you're Pitt Pineda, but looked awesome. Uh, Daniel Pineda is, is one of those guys that when he re-signed to the UFC, I'm like, I don't even, I remember him getting cut, but for whatever reason, I was like, I could have sworn he just fought a couple of months ago in the UFC. He just kind of got lost in the shuffle for a while of just the, of that division because like that, those weight classes, like 145 to 170 are just so filled with fighters. You lose track of people, but looked awesome like herbert burns is one of those guys that people earmarked for like uh future contender like submission specialist like uh brother of gilbert burns like he's gonna like do like he was calling out ryan hall and bryce mitchell and like yeah i want to see him fight ryan hall yeah i want to see him fight bryce mitchell and then daniel pineda comes in here 
and just cuts through him like butter and stops him. Like, and I think they they said it perfectly on the on the commentary. I think it was Dominic Cruz that said it. That fight showed the difference between competitive jujitsu and MMA jujitsu because you got elbows and punches and knees. And I think Daniel Pineda was had just did not had no fear for Herbert Burns uh, grappling because Herbert Burns is obviously an elite grappler in terms of competitive jujitsu. Daniel Pineda did not care. He has his own black belt, but he can also throw hammer fists. And he showed that uh, he deserved uh, to be in the UFC in an unbelievable performance. What was really interesting about that fight, especially in the aftermath, was that every time Herbert Burns touched him, he cut him open or he like did some really big damage. And you saw in the post-fight interview, that eye was nasty. It had a cut oh, yeah. like literally right here. If that fight had gone another 35 seconds and I gone to yeah. the second round, do you think, you, <laughs> do you think they would have gone to a third? It would have been tough. That was nasty. That would have been tough. I think the cut man would have had to get in there real quick. <laughs> yeah. Before they would have had to do a lot of work before that uh, the doctor took a step in. But doesn't matter. He got the job done. I'm not even gonna try and for not even gonna try and be like, well, maybe he would have lost in 30 seconds. He got the W, man. Like good for him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Murad Walsh, really great performance. There is just watching him compete just puts a smile on my face. Like no one has more fun fighting. Then Murad Duwalish, really, just screaming right. and yelling, smiling, having a good time. So huge win for him. He needs a big fight. I think Marlon Vera is the, the perfect matchup. Had Sean O'Malley won tonight, him and Sean O'Malley would have been really interesting to see how that played out. Vince Michelle won an animal. It, I think that uh, Mirov and O'Malley will happen eventually. It sure. won't happen. Like, if Sean O'Malley takes a while and comes back, I don't think they give him a heavy wrestler like Mirov right away. Maybe they give him like a really like, exciting striking matchup, but that fight has to happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, when, when O'Malley is is ready to come back, thirty five is just so good. There's going to be so many guys that 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 makes sense. I mean, you can put him up against the, a Brett Johns or a Montel Jackson or any of those guys. It's going to be a fun fight. Vince Pichel is an animal. Gets a big gritty win with that mustache over Jim Miller. Uh, Verna Jondaroba, unbelievable. I didn't. I mean. Her getting a submission didn't really surprise me, but to get it in the first two minutes of the fight over Felice Herrig, pretty impressive stuff. I think Casey Casey Lydon said it a few times that she, Verna Jondaroba could be the dark horse at 115 pounds. She um, is dangerous. Me. 16 and one. You uh, said it too. Who got on the UFC broadcast with that tweet though? Oh yeah. Who has two thumbs and got on the UFC broadcast? <laughs> Jose Youngs. Who didn't get on the UFC broadcast for like the 11th week in a row? That's right, Casey Lydon. So yeah, but Casey did say it. Uh, Verna's looked like her her only loss has been to Carlos Barza. Uh, I think she should fight um, Lavinia, unless uh, Lavinia, which I'm sure you'll talk about later. But Lavinia really wants Mackenzie Dern. Any of those fights are awesome. Uh, I think all of, uh, the the 150 pounds is just so so deep in the women's division like there's it's one of those few where like you got a clear number you got a clear number of contender anyone in the top five could fight each other and then you got a lot of dark horses on the rise so uh but lavinia souza and uh verna gondaroga awesome i think uh i'm trying to remember like who she's fought in the ufc i'm pulling this up real quick because we're not live but it's kind of like we're live at this point but so verna's got Okay, so she had all right, she got the Carla loss, but then she got the two submissions over Mallory Martin and Fleece Hart. Tisha Torres. I think that's a good fight. That's usually like the the type of fight that Tisha yeah. normally likes to take. You're not like, wrong. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be a top ten fighter in this division, you gotta be Tisha Torres. It's true because the only ones she's people she's lost to are like Marina well, like Marina Rodriguez, Zhang Wiley, Joanna, 
Rose. Like, yeah, you're not wrong. I like that fight. I like that fight. Unless like Angela, Angela, Angela Hill, Michelle Watterson is a fight that's coming up. Like those two are always done. Like if you're talking about, if you just want former Invicta champions to all fight each other. They're all right there. Elevina Sue's another former Invicta champ. So yeah, uh, who who Angela Hill beat? But again, I've been saying like 115 pounds just rules. She needs a number next to her name. That's yeah. that's all I keep. That's She's way I too talented not to have a number next to her name. Yeah, she should be like. 13 or 12 at least because she was unranked and anyway. her rank her her low her quote low ranking is not reflective on her skill set like she could easily be top 10 top 7 115 pounders in the world sure sure i'd love to see like wh- where she is next year i'm going to be really interested in seeing like she's going to be real close to a title shot danny chavez pretty impressive debut over sure. just a game tj brown that was probably like the gnarliest leg welt i've ever seen in a fight before it was like a softball grew out of his calf. It was just nasty to watch. Uh, Lavinia Souza gets the win over a, a, a game Ashiota. That was a, a very exhausting fight to watch. I'm just like, I don't know how these girls do this. Right. Chris Doskis, uh, Dacus over Parker Porter. That was a, a ferocious knockout. And then Kai Kamaka the third versus Tony Kelly starting off the night, the curtain jerker in a big way. That's like, that, that's like a WrestleMania first match. Yeah, like yeah. That, those two guys just beat the snot out of each other and made the most of their opportunity. Both got 50 Gs. I love that fight so much. Yeah, I mean, it's it was one of those fights. It was, it was one of these fight cards where by the time we got to Jim Miller, Vince Pichot, I'd be like, I feel like this fight card just started. Like <laughs> yeah. half, and then I'm like, it's been three hours since the like, or it's been like almost three, four hours since the the card started. So, all around. Awesome night of fights in terms of a lot of important fights, uh, star-making performances. The co-main event was a huge bummer in terms of how it ended because I think, like I said, Cheeto's not getting the credit he deserves, and I think Sugar Sean, uh, it's, you never want to see anyone get in it, especially young up-and-coming fighters. And then the main event, just need, it needed the fans. It really did. Awesome fights all around, though. Uh, I'm not ready to say it's like one of the top five pay-per-views of the year. It's up there, though. Yeah, it's real good. And then the next one, UFC 253, which is now September 26th, finally made official. Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Give me all that. And then the week before that, we get Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. Wild. Just going to be a wild September. It is going to, like, it's going to be a wild second half of the yes. year, I'll say. Because, like, we still got Gaethje Habib or Habib Gaethje. We still got Cody or Figueredo Cody. We still got. Valentina versus Maya, and then Francis Gunn called out Stipe for the the last pay per view of the year. So like if they if they book that and Kamaru Usman fights Gilbert Burns in the co-main event, like come on, like There's I have a feeling fights on that design I have, card. I have a feeling Masvidal fight uh, Leon Edwards at some point on a fight night moving forward. Like yeah, there's a, it's gonna be a, some it's gonna be a pretty epic uh, second half of the year. Maybe Connor comes back. I, I don't, don't know. So. I don't think so. I mean, it would be such a 2020 thing for Conor to come back, just like last year. There's still that little featherweight fight that I keep talking about that I'm not going to mention this time because those of you who know me know that I'm superstitious when it comes to fights. There's that pretty. It's that it rhymes with Berean Zombie versus Ryan Barbega. Like that fight's going to be awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be a a hell of a hell of a final stretch of a, sure. a fourth quarter, so to speak, of this 2020 year. Yeah of chaos in the UFC and around the world, but we are done. 
We've talked a lot about UFC 252. We got a lot more on the horizon. These fight cards are just not going to stop. We got two events next week. Bellator and the UFC are That's back, right. so we will have a lot to discuss on all of our shows. We got Between the Links and What the Heck and the A Side and everything. So make sure you stay locked into MMAfighting.com for Jose Youngs. I am Mike Heck, putting the official bow on a great night of fights in Las Vegas, UFC 252. We're out.